You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn joins the Washington Post the day before inauguration to discuss goals for the incoming administration. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for the Washington Post. Welcome to Washington Post Live. Congressman James Clyburn of South Carolina is many things. He is the House Majority Whip. He is the chairman of soon to be President Joe Biden's inaugural committee. And it was his endorsement in the Palmetto State's Democratic primary that catapulted Biden from back of the pack to President of the United States. Whip Clyburn, welcome back to Washington Post Live. Thank you very much for having me back. So you've been to many inaugurations, yet probably nothing like the one we're about to have uh, to see virtually tomorrow. What are your thoughts when you look at um, when you look out and you see that Washington has basically become an armed encampment? Well, uh, trying to get to the office today was quite an experience. Uh, I um, never seen anything like it before. Uh, all of the inaugurations I've uh, attended, and I grew all the way back to uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. Um, never anything like this, but the country has never been in a place uh, like this before. Uh, our experiences of recent years, there have been experiences that uh, I've only read about. Uh, I um, can just imagine what it was like uh, for Lincoln's uh, second uh, inauguration. I've read about it, and, and I suspect that we have something akin to that taking place today. So the Washington Post has reported, well, reported over the weekend about insider threat screenings of about 25,000 National Guard troops here in the Capitol. Today, we're reporting about efforts by QAnon supporters trying to infiltrate the National Guard. And now we know that the AP is reporting, the Washington Post has not independently verified this, but the AP is now reporting that two members of the National Guard have been removed from the inaugural from inaugural duty. And so I'm just wondering, how concerned are you about an insider threat or infiltration by people who would want to disrupt the inauguration tomorrow? I'm very concerned about that. Uh, you know, uh, Jonathan, I tell people often that uh, if I were not such a lover and reader uh, of history, uh, I might not have a lot of the concerns that I do have. But because I sincerely believe, and I used to tell my students when I taught history that anything that's happened before uh, can happen again. Uh, and I am very concerned when I think about two major um, let's just say assassination of, of the heads of state uh, in recent years that I'm aware of came from inside. Uh, when you have someone's personal uh, guard uh, being the assassin, uh, which we have seen uh, in recent years, you're always concerned about these uh, kinds of things, especially uh, when you experience what we did 
uh, on the 6th uh, of January, uh, it tells me uh, when I see the tapes, I hear some of the conversation taking place, uh, and I talk to some of my colleagues that some things were going on the day before on the 5th uh, of January uh, that were untoward. And I said often uh, that something untoward was taking place. You could see it, you could feel it. Uh, and nothing uh, would surprise me uh, about what's going on now. And I'm glad to see the National Guard uh, taking the steps that they're taking. And I would hope uh, that this happens uh, in other law enforcement uh, arenas as well. Well, Whip Clyburn, let's keep talking about what you were just mentioning before about people being at the Capitol on January 5th. And um, you have said in many interviews, um, including two with me, where you talked about the fact that you were you found it curious that a lot of the, the insurrectionists were able to find your hidden away, hard to get to office on the third floor. And so I'm gonna ask you in yet another interview, how concerned are you that this, that what happened on January 6th was a quote unquote inside job, that there were other members of Congress who were in on the planning of what happened on January 6th? I'm very concerned about that. Uh, and I'm convinced uh, that um, there was some complicity involved here. Uh, and, and all you got to do is to listen uh, to what some of the members uh, are saying. I mean, why is it? What is it about uh, coming to the floor of the House of Representatives and insisting that you bring a firearm to the floor? What is that about? This is just the kind of craziness that's going on here. When you listen to some of these speeches, you know, come on. Uh, that speech Giuliani uh, gave, the speech uh, that Mo Brooks, a member of this body, gave, and some of what I've heard a couple of QAnon, if not members, sympathizers, the things they're saying. Uh, it, this is just insane. You know, I don't know what all this um, anger is about. Uh, these people have been treated uh, by this country in a way my parents and grandparents dreamed about being treated. And all of a sudden, they find so much wrong with it. And it's kind of strange to me that all of the people that's being singled out as, uh, as heroes here, uh, by and large, are African-Americans. Mm -hmm. And since I've been in the Congress for 28 years, uh, we've gotten so many complaints uh, about mistreatment from African-Americans the same ones who are working hard now and getting the hero status for helping to preserve uh, this, uh, this uh, body uh, uh, that is the greatest deliberative body uh, in the world. We're working to preserve this. So what is the source, what's the cause of all this anger? Now I get real concerned when I hear that someone uh, may have stolen a laptop out of the speaker's office and now uh, talking about selling it uh, to the Russians. This is the kind of stuff that I've been talking about now for about four years. Uh, back in January 2018, uh, I compared the current uh, administration here uh, to a dictatorship. 
And I was asked at the time, was I comparing uh, Trump uh, to, uh, to Hitler? And I said, no, I compare him to Mussolini. Uh, it, uh, and it's kind of interesting and when he came out of um, uh, the hospital uh, after about the COVID-19, uh, I heard two commentators the next morning talk about his standing on the Truman balcony, uh, it called it a Mussolini stance. Well, that was not new to me. I've studied enough history, I've read enough history to compare him to Mussolini way back in 2018. Mm -hmm. So Whip Clyburn, then, what should happen to your congressional colleagues, Congressman Mo Brooks, um, I think it's Congressman Gosard, and others who may have been, if not part of the planning of the Stop the Steal rally that preceded the insurrection, um, but who might be found to have been, as you say, complicit in what happened by bringing people in for those tours of the Capitol on January 5th. What should happen to them? I think that we should have a thorough investigation. Uh, I've said before, a 9-11 kind of commission should do a thorough investigation of what took place here, look at who may or may not be complicit, look at what conspiracies or out there, and there are some, in my not so humble opinion, and uh, recommendations should be made uh, for prosecution uh, all the way up to expulsion, uh, or maybe expulsion all the way up to uh, prosecution. I really believe that some criminal behavior took place that need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. This should not be about just this one incident, but it should be such that nobody uh, will feel uh, safe uh, to do it again. So you would be fine if, say, federal, after an investigation, um, insurrection charges or federal charges were brought against members of Congress, if indeed it is, it is evidence is found that they coordinated with um, folks who are a part of the insurrection? Absolutely. People have been expelled from Congress for less. You know, one of the things, uh, look, I'm from South Carolina, as you know. Uh, Preston Brooks was from South Carolina. And for the people who may not remember who he was, Preston Brooks was a guy uh, that um, caned uh, Senator Sumner to near death on the floor of the Senate. And when he fell to the floor, he just wasn't satisfied with that. He continued. Uh, that was a criminal act. Now, what was so funny is back then, Preston Brooks went back home to Abbeville, South Carolina, and was considered to be a hero. Uh, Sumner was considered to be a hero for having been a victim. But how do you have that kind of stuff is in our history. And that's the kind of stuff I thought we have gotten beyond, but it seems like we have not. I don't remember exactly what happened to Preston Brooks, but I know this, whoever uh, was a part of this must be prosecuted to the fullest extent of a law. And I say fullest, I mean fullest. 
Well, one more question on this. There is an investigation that has been, um, that has been, uh, is now underway, I should say. Uh, last week, Speaker Pelosi tapped Lieutenant Colonel uh, Russell Honore to do a top to bottom review of se security at the Capitol. Um, what specific, given everything that you just, you have just said, what specific question do you want Colonel Honore to answer? Well, Joe Honore is a very thorough, uh, no-nonsense kind of guy. I worked very closely with him back during Katrina and Rita. Uh, he was a prolific leader uh, throughout that process. Uh, he and Dr. Francis uh, at Xavier University, uh, I found the two of them uh, to be top-notch people. And when Nancy Pelosi uh, informed me uh, that she was going to ask uh, him uh, to conduct an investigation, uh, I said to her, you could not have made a better choice. So I feel very strongly uh, that we are going to get. Now, I don't know what all is going to be in his portfolio. I don't know if he will get to what I'm talking about with the 9-11 Commission. I don't think he will. He would be looking at the security uh, side of this. I'm going to look at the other side of this that led uh, to the lack uh, of security. So let's do some some speed round questions because time flies when you're having when you're having fun. We're running out of time. But let's talk about impeachment. Last week, uh, President Trump was impeached for the second time in his presidency, and yet the article of impeachment has not been delivered to the Senate. When will it be delivered? I don't know. That's the speaker's call, and I would uh, hope, and I'm sure she is, uh, she'd be coordinating that uh, with the. Uh, uh, Senators McConnell uh, and Schumer uh, mm -hmm. and uh, with the uh, Biden administration. As you know, hearings are taking place now uh, for confirmations. Uh, votes, I think, will be taking place uh, on uh, Thursday. Uh, I know uh, that uh, this new president uh, will uh, be sworn in uh, without his cabinet in place. But I don't think that'll last long. And, mm -hmm. and when that happens, when they decide how to proceed uh, with both things taking place, that is a possible uh, impeachment trial, while at the same time you're doing confirmations, we can do two things at the same time here. Uh, the last time we had an impeachment trial, uh, the, the trial was conducted in the afternoons. Well, there's nothing wrong with us having uh, these other hearings uh, for confirmations in the mornings and having other business done in the evenings. Right. So uh, we've had all-night sessions up here before, so maybe we need to have some all-night sessions uh, to get the people's work done. And what, what do you say to folks who wonder what purpose does it serve to hold a trial against a, against a man who's no longer president when the trial begins. What purpose does that serve? It serves a great purpose. It's almost like saying, uh, if you promise not to do it again, uh, you ought not be punished this time. If you recall, uh, Adam Schiff, in his closing argument, he said to the senators, if you do not, do this now. Do not convict this man. He will do it again. 
How many people do we hear a day or two later saying he learned his lesson? Uh, he's touched the hot stove and he won't do it again. Well, not only did he do it again, but he doubled down the next time. That speech he gave uh, on the day, the morning of this mob violence did nothing but incite people. Uh, Mitch McConnell was on the floor today uh, saying that this mob was fled lies and it was done by the president of the United States and other people in high places. So we may be starting an impeachment with this president, but this may not end uh, the kind of impeachment mm -hmm. that we need to have. Well, then, Whip Clavern, what would it say uh, about the effort if President Trump is put on trial in the, in the Senate but is not convicted? It will simply say that the, there was evidence there uh, for an indictment and not enough evidence uh, to convict, though I believe there is enough. You and I both know uh, that this is also a political process. Uh, and an impeachment process is uh, a bit political. The trial, uh, we've never uh, had anyone convicted before. Andrew Johnson, uh, who succeeded Abraham Lincoln, I think he not only committed impeachable offenses, I think he should have been convicted. Uh, but he missed being convicted by one vote, if my memory serves well. So uh, just because uh, you survive, uh, the conviction, which requires two-thirds, by the way, um, doesn't mean that you have been absolved of wrongdoing. Um, let's talk about the incoming Biden, incoming Biden cabinet. During his selection, you were, you were out there way out in front saying, you know, we need, we need black people in the cabinet, we need black women, we need black men, the cabinet needs to look like America. Well, the cabinet has been filled out. What do you think about the way the Biden-Harris administration is looking cabinet-wise? Looks good. <laughs> Looks real good. Uh, I think it does reflect uh, what America looks like. Uh, remember, uh, I spoke up at, after the first rollout. You know, I'm kind of old school. Uh, I remember uh, my dad used to tell me all the time, son, you be careful with what you do. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And that, to me, the first rollout uh, would give an impression. Because when that rollout came, immediately my phone started ringing. People were raising cane. Uh, it just didn't look like the, the cabinet was going to look. And so that's all I spoke out about first impressions. And, and We've had other mm -hmm. nominees uh, in these nominations. Uh, they'll be hearing on one this afternoon. General Austin is just a great uh, pick. Uh, Marsha Fudge, an outstanding pick. And so I think that these are two African-Americans that will be in the cabinet. And there are others. Now, EPA is not really a cabinet, an African-American from North Carolina. Uh, I think he's made some real good picks. I just wanted the first rollout. Uh, to set mm -hmm. a tone uh, that people would not be beating up on me. Now, remember, when I first endorsed uh, Joe Biden, I got a lot of flack from a lot of people. I felt strongly 
that I was doing the right thing. Your great friend, my late wife, who loved you uh, like a son, uh, she told me in no uncertain terms that our best chance of defeating Donald Trump would be Joe Biden. So I felt strongly, though Emily had passed away at the time, that I had done the right thing. But a lot of people felt differently. And so when that first rollout came, I started saying to myself, oh my goodness, uh, what have we wrought? Well, it's turned out pretty darn good. And final question for you, because I know you, you have to go. Tomorrow, the first black woman, first woman of color, first woman is going to be inaugurated vice president of the United States. Talk about the significance from your, from your vantage point as someone who you know, marched and got arrested during the civil rights movement, the significance of that historic moment at this time in our country's history. Oh, it means so much, so much. As a father of three black women, uh, the grandfather of two uh, women, females, uh, one is not quite a woman yet, uh, I uh, want that little granddaughter of mine, Layla, uh, when she sees uh, this inauguration, uh, just to feel that that's something I can be. It is important. Symbols are important. Now, there's no substitute for substance, but symbols are still important. And symbolically, this inauguration on tomorrow will mean so much to little black girls growing up. Someone did a, a great uh, work the other day showing uh, Kamala uh, and Ruby Bridges. Uh, mm -hmm. And Ruby Bridges, a little girl trying to integrate down in New Orleans. Uh, that to me said so much. I hope there's going to be some renditions of that that I can get a, a copy of because I would love to give uh, a copy of that to Layla so she can see how Ruby Bridges as a seven-year-old uh, could be a Kamala Harris. And did you did you think when you were uh, sitting in that jail cell when you met when you met Miss Emily and you were doing right. that you were you were marching you were doing all these things. Did you ever think that not only you would be there to see the first black president elected, but would also be there to see the first black woman achieve such heights? No, I didn't. Uh, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I absolutely thought that's what we were doing it for. In fact, uh, my first conversation with Emily was that night as we walked back to the campus uh, from that uh, jailhouse. Uh, and we talked about the future, and we talked about why uh, we need to do some other things on the campus at South Carolina State uh, because of what uh, young people coming after us. We had no, I didn't know at the time that I was talking about my own children and grandchildren, but no, uh, I didn't think I would live to see it. I thought it would happen, but I never thought it would happen in my lifetime. Well, Whip Clyburn, I, I will speak for myself, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who are watching right now who are thrilled that you uh, were alive and are alive to see both monumental things happen for this country. Whip Clyburn, we're out of time. Thanks so much for coming back to Washington Post Live. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for tuning in. Come back on Thursday at 11 a.m. 
Eastern time when we'll uh, be sitting down with best-selling author Angie Thomas. Then on Friday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, Washington Post Live's coverage of the coronavirus continues with a conversation with Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. You can always head to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find more information about upcoming programs. But until then, I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for The Washington Post. Thank you for watching Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.